Well, hello once again, Pastor Brown from Aqua Alliance Fellowship. Glad to be with you, and I hope that you've had a wonderful, wonderful week, and that you yourself are being blessed by God tremendously. We are a people who God desires to bless and lead us in the path of righteousness. He wants us to grow in that grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he wants to keep his promise that truly the New Testament or the New Covenant is a much greater powerful covenant than the old. And uh, we want to look at some of that today. And I pray that you understand that the New Testament is a completion, in a sense, of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the preparatory or the preparation time for us to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ who came to do the will of his Father said upon the cross, it is finished, it's complete. And every blessing and everything we receive comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. The favor, the grace, the mercy, the blessings, all that we receive come through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it's a much better covenant than the Old Testament. And where the Old Testament could not give eternal life, Jesus Christ was able to secure eternal life for those who would believe on him and receive him as Lord and Savior of their life. Well, let's pray and let's get started into this study again. Uh, we've been studying the covenant the last few weeks, and uh, we want to stay on that because we have lost so much in not understanding the covenant in which we are in with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for being the one who bless us and keeps us. We thank you, Lord, that life is in thee. And we are hid in thee. And true life, O oh God, is yet to be taken hold of. For one day, Lord, this frail body will sleep. And Lord will be no more on this side, but yet fully alive on the other. And I shall see you face to face one day, as many others will do likewise. And I pray, Father, that you would open our hearts and our minds in this day while we are yet in the land of the living, among those, O oh God, who yet need to hear, those who want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that, Lord, you might speak. And you might minister to us. Thank you for what you're going to do. Open your word to us. Help us to have a hearing ear, a heart to receive, and a mind that is ready to do your will. And Lord, we pray for many who may not have ever received you, that they might hear that you truly are a covenant-keeping God. And that, Lord, they would take that step of faith 
and receive their Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Minister, I pray, through the power of your Holy Spirit to everyone who hears, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God's covenant is much like a marital covenant. There's two individuals coming and saying yes. A woman saying yes to the husband, but the husband saying yes to the wife and also promising to keep themselves from all others. And just loving one another and learning to love on one another. And that's what takes place in the covenant of God. God is loving us and we are loving him. And we are learning, especially from our perspective. We are learning how to love God. He loves us with an everlasting love. And we could never tell you or do we know or do I know any man that really knows how much God really loves us. Yes, he demonstrated his love on Calvary and allowing his son to die on our behalf. But he loved us while we were yet in our sins and fighting against him, not acknowledging him, using his name in profanity, living the way we wanted to live and not living according to his will. But as we enter into this covenant and understand the covenant, we understand that God wants to bless us and he wants to give us more than what we could ever expect. Or do we deserve it? He is a faithful, faithful God. The saints who make up the church are the people of God. Those who really accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, they are the people who enter into this covenant with this living God to do his will and to live the way he desires us to live. In marriage, you just can't live any kind of way you want to live. You have to live in respect and acknowledgement of your husband or your wife. And you don't want to do anything to hurt the other. And that's somewhat the way it is with God. When you really enter into a covenant with him, you don't want to do anything that's going to hurt him or grieve him or cause him sorrow. The covenant is something where both of you have promised each other to one another. And the things that God gives in his covenant is just amazing, far beyond what could have been given in the Old Testament. The saints who make up the church are the redeemed people of God. We are redeemed by the blood of Christ. We are set forth 
in this new covenant, not the old covenant, not the Old Testament. So when you hear me say new covenant, I'm speaking more about the New Testament, not the Old Testament. And again, I want to say that the New Testament is only a completion or fulfillment of the Old Testament. Because in the New Testament, Christ comes. In the Old Testament, the Messiah is promised to come, but had not yet come. But in the New Testament, Christ has come. He's come to give us that eternal life. He come to give us what God himself has promised to us. And it's something that you and I have to be willing to receive. He doesn't force it on us. It's something you have to say yes to. And you have to be in agreement with. So when God says that all have sinned, he's not lying. He's not joking. He's not just making a statement just to make a statement. It's the truth. All humanity, every individual, have sinned. And some people will look at themselves and say, I've never sinned. I've never done anything wrong. I've never done anything malicious. I'm not an envious person. I'm not a jealous person. I'm not a person who hates other people. We have sinned against God. And yes, you have sinned if you really search your own life. And you only have to ask one question. Am I living the life that God would have me to live? And you can't say yes, then you are that sinner that needs to repent and begin to live the way God has ordained his people to live. Not the way you want to live, but the way God has ordained you to live. It's strange because when we look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Matthew and Mark are both Jewish individuals. They have lived under covenants for years, and, and they've lived under renewed covenants because from the time of Abraham all the way up through, that covenant has like been renewed, been renewed, been added to, added to, and they know what a covenant is. But when we get into Luke, Luke, this Gentile physician, he's writing, and he uses a word before the word covenant that Mark and Matthew doesn't use. If you turn with me to Luke, Chapter 22. I want you to see this word for yourself. And it does make a huge difference when you understand what he is saying. And I want you to come down in the verse 20. Look what he says. And this is doing the Last Supper, as you would find also in Matthew and Mark. The Last Supper. And he is saying, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Remember in the Old Testament, covenants and 
were sealed with blood. And Jesus is saying he shed his blood to seal this covenant, this new covenant. And Luke is the only one who uses the word new. Because for him being a Gentile, it really was a new covenant. It was totally different for Luke than what it was for Mark and Matthew who had been accustomed to living under the covenant of God. Rather, the Old Testament covenant, the Ten Commandments, the different rules and regulations of the Old Testament. Here we have Luke, a Gentile, who never lived under those rules, who don't understand the covenant of the Old Testament per se. But what he did understand, for him, this was something new and different. And oftentimes, we don't see that when we ask Christ to come into our life, that is something new and different. Life doesn't remain the same because you're in a new covenant. And you have to recognize <clears throat> that life will not remain the same if you take the covenant that you've entered into with Jesus Christ and with God and the Holy Spirit. That life will not remain the same. And you will be different. That's why scripture says that as any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Because under the New Testament, if you really accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you're different. You're different. And you may have to spend a little time to figure that out. But you'll understand you're not the same. You're not the same person as you were going into Christ. As you are a person who is coming out living for Christ totally different and he says it's a new covenant in my blood because the covenants had to be sealed with blood it was a way of saying that this is complete now we have an agreement and God makes an agreement with us to save us if we're willing to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And God says, he'll save us. He'll keep us. He'll redeem us. He'll rescue us. He'll deliver us. He'll do all these things on our behalf because we stepped into a covenant with him. That's why no Christian is perfect. We're always being Redeemed and rescued. Oh, I need to be rescued from some of the things that I think in my mind. I need to be rescued at time from my words and to make the correction real quickly. I need to be delivered from my past life because sometimes I think, man, this is what I would like to do. And God has to deliver me from that. God is always at work in our lives if we allow him. 
He's always at work. Why? Because I'm living in a new covenant with him. He has made it very personal. Where with Israel, the covenant was for a nation. Not so much personal, but for the nation itself. It did affect people's lives, yes. But in the New Testament, it is a personal relationship with God. With God. And you can have that under this new covenant that Luke talks about. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 9 with me. And let's pick up in verse 14. And um, we're going to somewhat camp out pretty much in Hebrews. Because if you were to read Hebrews 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, you would see really the blessings of this new covenant. And you would really begin to understand the big difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you would see this covenant is something that God has purposely given unto us. So let's pick up, if you would, please, with me in Hebrews chapter 9 and verses 14 through 22. And I want you to catch what he's going to say here. He says, get my eyes straightened out. He says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, remember the New Testament said that this new covenant was sealed how? With the blood of Jesus Christ. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, the Holy Spirit, offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. Oh, that we might serve him, that we might live under his umbrella, under his shadow, and that we might be his ministers to others. What a blessing that would be. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Christ is the mediator or the negotiator of this new covenant. And we need to see him as that. And that he's the one who sets this covenant in place. And he seals it with his own blood. And for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. In the Old Testament, you did not receive the promise of eternal life. You did not receive this promise that is made here in this new covenant and we can receive this promise of eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first what covenant the first covenant did not do away with my sins It covered my sins. 
it gave me a way to acknowledge my sins, but it didn't give me any power to be free from sin. It only allowed me to acknowledge that I was a sinful individual. And then it gave me no power not to go back and commit that sin again and again and again. Well, somebody might be saying, well, the New Testament don't give you that power either. Yes, it does. In the indwelling Holy Spirit, who will convict you and then who will empower you to do the right thing if you desire to do the right thing. And if you desire to turn away from sin, the Holy Spirit will give you the strength and he will even give you the verse to quote, to run away from that which is evil. That you will know that it's the Holy Spirit giving you the ability to say no to sin. And he does. He does. And he goes on here. He says, He died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In this, in the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. And Christ died that this covenant might be put into effect for our behalf. All we have to do is be willing to accept what he has done for us and be willing to step into it. He goes on now, we're going to verse 22. He says, in this case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is in force only when somebody has died. Or this covenant does not really take effect until somebody has died. And that's why on the cross, Jesus was able to say, it's finished. The covenant now is complete. The New Testament covenant, the will of God, is done. And man can be set free of his sin. Not his sin just covered by the blood of goats and lambs and bulls and heifers. No. Now he is set free by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on, he says, because I will, because a will is in force, only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water and scarlet wool and branches of hyssop 
and sprinkled the stroll all and all the people. He said, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. But what he's demonstrating for us, that even that Old Testament covenant was sealed by blood. When you go back to Abraham, the halves were put on each side, but Abraham was put to sleep, and God himself went down to the center. But blood was shed in order that God might make a covenant even with Abraham. Now, the new covenant, it is founded on a much better promise. Look over in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. And he simply says in that verse 6, he says, But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one and it is found on better promises. Now, what you and I have to understand, what are those better promises? What are those better promises? Because he says, boy, that but the ministry of Jesus has received is as superior to theirs, was their the Old Testament, as the covenant of which he is mediator. Which covenant is he mediator over? Jesus is not the mediator over the old covenant, the old testament, under the first covenant. He is the mediator of the new covenant of what we call New Testament. Jesus is that mediator. And it says, it is superior to the old. It's superior to the old one. And it is found on better promises that the New Testament is found on something far, far better than the Old Testament. The promises in the New Testament are far, far greater than those of the Old Testament. Now, that is not to denounce the Old Testament or to try to make the Old Testament as though it has no legitimacy, that it has really no place today. We have to understand it. That God's word, even in the Old Testament, was good for us and still is today. Now I'm thankful I don't have to go out and sacrifice a lamb or a bull or a pigeon or a dove. I don't have to make any kind of sacrifice with blood because the blood of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has been shed once for all. And we don't have to make any more sacrifices. And he gave himself freely that we might be free of sin and have the freedom to live for him. To live for him. And that's why it's so much superior. Because in the Old Testament, the people did not really have the power 
to live the life that God desired them to live. And the Old Testament shows us the failure of a people without power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I know some will say the occasions of what mighty deeds and mighty things they did, but the everyday person did not have that power of a Samson. An everyday person did not have the wisdom and knowledge of a Solomon. And yes, I'm going to step out on a limb here. Today we have that in the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. In the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within the believer. If one of those better promises and in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit didn't live in everyone. Yes, we see his actions through the life of some. But in the New Testament, we each have this privilege. And I can't explain it, and I don't think nobody living can. The Holy Spirit of God living in every one of us. And he lived there for the purpose that we might learn how to live for Jesus. But he, he simply says, here's this New Testament, this new covenant now, that is far, far better than the old. And the mediator of this new covenant, the minister of it, is Jesus Christ. Then pick up in verse 7 of Hebrews 8 with me. He says, For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, if there had been nothing wrong, so there is something lacking with the first covenant. Not that it's not good now. Not saying that. And we must understand that. God's word is good, all of it. And we have to understand that his word, even as the psalmist says, is a light unto our path. His word, if we hide it in our hearts, we will not sin against him. God has always meant good to his people. But his people are the ones who have to learn that God means good to us. And that's what's happening in the Old Testament as we read it. And you have to ask yourself, why is it that a people were always leaving God, turning their back on God, someone who had done so much for them, and yet they're always rebelling against him. They're always dealing with idols. They're always turning from him. They're not fully engaged with him. Because God was showing the people themselves, themselves, without the power of the Holy Spirit, without his word being written on their heart, 
without a personal relationship with him. There would not be really a change. So he says, for if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people. He found fault with who? The people. He found fault with the people. Because the people were not able to live up to the high standards and principles that God had placed for. Now somebody will say, well, we can't do it today. And I would say to you, we do a much better job today than in the Old Testament because of the personal relationship we have with God. Not a national relationship, but an individual relationship. And that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And then the word of God that God has given to us. And the promises he has made unto us. And he is a keeper of all his promises. And he says, but God found fault with the people. Not so much with the covenant, but with the people. Because the people were not empowered to be able to do what the covenant itself was demanding of them. And therefore the Old Testament showed man that he was sinful. That Old Testament showed man that he really needed a relationship with God. Individually, personally. Let's go on down a little bit further. In that verse 8, But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. God has already in the Old Testament saying, I'm going to make a new covenant. Because of the people of the old covenant were not empowered by, again, the person of the Holy Spirit as we are in the New Testament. Nor did they have the word as we have the word today. And he says, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And we need to remember, the New Testament was really made with Israel. Gentiles were included. But it was made with Israel. That's why all the apostles were Jews. Most of the early church was Jewish. Because God made his new covenant with them. And he says, I will not, it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers, Old Testament, when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful. 
follow the people. They did not remain faithful to God. They did not remain faithful to God. And again, somebody will say, well, there's people today who don't remain faithful to God. And you maybe go down the list and begin to name some who have not remained faithful to God. But I would say to you, there are millions upon millions upon millions who have remained faithful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and have not bowed our knees to Baal or seek any idol, but only have our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and Him alone. Yes, we can make excuses, but the reality is, is this. Man failed. Not the first covenant. Man failed. Because the covenant was designed to show man his failure and his lack of faithfulness to a wonderful God. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make. Now now hear this. He says he's going to make this new covenant. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. That's why you hear Christians quoting the word of God. Now let me share with some of you Christians who don't take much stock in the word of God. You can't be the person God intended you to be without the knowledge of God's word. Because the Holy Spirit is going to use God's word to chisel out the life that God wants you to live. He's going to knock off all the rough edges off of you with the word of God. And when that word goes into your heart, it will be exactly what the psalmist said in the Old Testament. You will not sin against God. Because that word will come up so strongly before you. That somehow it's able to grab you and hold you. Now, I'm not saying you won't never sin. But when you do, you will repent. When you do, you will have tears of repentance. When you do, you will know that you've broken fellowship with God and you want that fellowship back. That's the difference. The person that Holy Spirit and the word of God that he has written on your heart, that is there. Two of the promises. And he goes on and he said, 
This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after the time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God. Three things that are really taking place here. One, the law is going to be where at? In their minds. It's going to be written where at? On their hearts. And what's going to happen? God says, I'm going to be their God. Individually. Not just the national God. But an individual God. If you allow God to come into your life in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will strengthen you. He will guide you. He will be the one who will nurture you. And he will be the one who will grow you up in the Lord. You have to be willing to accept his covenant and live the life that he's going to lead you into, that he has ordained for you. He goes on. And he simply says, after that, he said, I will be their God and they will be my people. Oh, we're going to love him. We're going to love him. He is my God and I am his. And nothing will separate us. And if you are in Christ Jesus, no one can separate you from him. Nothing can take you from him. And he says, They will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor. Now, we teach, we share, but the real teacher is the Holy Spirit. The real teacher is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to teach you. Go to John chapter 14. And this is, again, one of the greater promises that is given here in the New Testament. Go to verse 26. And he says in St. John 14 and verse 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Now, what the Holy Spirit is going to do, as you hear from man, the Holy Spirit quickens it and confirms it, if it's truth or not. He's the one who allows you to see how the word really affects your life, how the word will pinpoint your life, how the word will pin you to the mat until you say, I give up and surrender to it. It is the power of God's word that has an effect on your life. As you are taught it by the Holy Spirit, not by man, not by pastors, not by elders, not by deacons, not by some spiritual person, but by the Holy Spirit himself. Man only repeats what God's word says, but it's the Holy Spirit who has the convicting power to convict you that this is truth. This is truth. This is God's word. This is serious business. You're entering into a covenant with the living God. And you're the one that have to be willing to yield to it. God has set forth what the requirements are. You and I have to ask, can we meet those requirements? 
And that's part of what Galatians somewhat helps us to understand. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And go to verse 24 and 25. Well, oh, let me get there. <clears throat> he said, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. Why was the law? Why was the Old Testament covenant? It was to lead us to Christ. How was it to lead us to Christ? It was to show us we needed a Savior. We needed someone to deliver us. We needed someone to rescue us. We need someone who could give us power to live out the word and to allow that word to really become effective in our life. Uh, the Lord, he didn't come to do away with the word or of the Old Testament. He didn't come to do away with the covenant of the Old Testament. But really, he came to Fulfill it. And because he fulfills it, and because he lives in us, we also have that ability to fulfill it. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5. Pick up in verse seven, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them, to perform them, all that is required. Jesus said, I fulfilled it. All that God asked of man, I fulfilled it. That's one of the reasons he came in bodily form, to do what we ourselves could not do and to be that example for us of how we can do it. Through him. And that's why scripture says I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can fulfill the will of God if I'm willing to submit to the leadership of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law. And that's what a lot of people think he did. He Come to do away with it. No, he come in order that you might be able to fulfill it. I'm not talking about animal sacrifice, but the type of life that God wanted you and I to live. And he says, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. But to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Until everything is accomplished. And we need to understand he come to fulfill the first covenant. That's why I said that the New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And the Old Testament was a schoolmaster, as King James 
says to us in Galatians 3. And he says in 24, So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. It was a schoolmaster. It was to show us. It was to reveal to us our need of a Savior in Christ Jesus. That we might be justified by faith. Not by performance, but by believing. He says, He is our mediator. The Old Testament was legal to prove men or man that he was a lawbreaker and that we break the law of God. We break the rules of God. The the New Testament is about a new life. And that's one of the greater promises. The Old Testament did not promise a new life in this time. But the New Testament promises a new life right now. Right now. That I don't care how bad your life is. I don't care what you're going through. God can transform your life. He can renew your life. If you're willing to enter into this covenant with him and allow him to do it. Well, I'm going to stop while I'm ahead. I'm not feeling at my best, and some of you may have picked that up, and I'm laboring just a little bit in my breathing and so forth. So I ask that you would pray for me and pray for my brother Glenn, who has cancer, and they found some new growth, and they're going to be trying to... uh, Try a new chemo on him on Monday. I ask that you would lift him up before the Lord. I ask that you would also pray for David Fry. He's in the hospital right now. But God is going to work a miracle in his man's life. Because God isn't finished with him yet. I don't believe God is finished, but this is for David to even recognize the power of his God. And I pray that you would join with me in prayer and praying for the needs of God's people. And I want to thank you again for giving me this opportunity to speak to you. But I ask that you would read Hebrews chapter 6, 7, 8, 9 and 10. And I'm not going to be able to talk about all the different promises that you'll see in there and what is a big difference between Old Testament and New Testament. But you'll see them as you read them and as the Holy Spirit points them out. We're going to talk about some of them. But if you read it, you'll also see it. Because man is not the one who will teach you. I'm not the one who will teach you. But the Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. He will teach you. Father, I thank you and praise you for giving us this opportunity of just sharing your word and encouraging your people. And Lord, also those who may not 
be walking with you at this time who might make a decision to enter into your covenant. That, Lord, that you would show them that you are a faithful covenant-keeping God. And all that you have promised, you will do. Have not you said it? Have not you done it? And, Lord, you are faithful to it. Your word is what you will keep, for you are not a God who will lie to your people, but you will speak truth to us. Now, I do pray for those who I have mentioned that you would be the God who healed of us, even myself, and you might minister to us. And Lord, thank you that you are our living bread. You are our water that causes us to thirst no more. And you are the God who healeth thy people. And we know, Lord, we're not asking for healing that will allow us to live on and on and on and on. But we're asking, Lord, that as long as we're going to serve you, that you would strengthen these bodies, that we might be able to serve you at our very best. So thank you for what you are yet going to do. Thank you in touching your people, in healing these bodies, that they may glorify you. And for the ones who may hear, may you quicken your word to their minds and their hearts. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again. It is a privilege to come before you. It is a privilege to share God's word with you. And I pray that as we walk through this thing of the covenant, that somehow the Holy Spirit will minister to you. And again, I want to say thank you. God bless you. God keep you. Till next week. Bye-bye.